Welcome to Hala Talk. I'm Jack Yanover. I'm Bobby Becker. And we are here in the studio once again with Mitch Shellman. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's an honor. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I've been uh, listening for a while now, and just to be here is it's crazy. Now, we also have a third host. We're trying something out with guest hosts, and our first guest host, Jesse Shapiro. What's up, guys? I'm you know, I'm Jess Shapiro. I'm, I'm blessed to be here. I've been a fan of the show since day one. Huge fan of Yanni and, and Bobby, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. So we got a whole party in the studio today. Super excited for this episode, but got to start with the challah. Mm-hmm. Bobby, well, give us the backstory on this one. Well, my mom cried from coffins. She dropped it off in the security office, as always, picked it up. And I have to say, this challah, it looks very fresh. Ready to dive in? All right, Bobby, you can go ahead and take the first bite. While you're noshing down on that, Mitch, I got I to gotta know, who is Little Gweenie? So Little Gweenie is basically um, a certain version of me, um, also known as the rapper version of me. He was founded, I would say, roughly about a year or so ago, over the summer. It, uh, I've, I would say I've got a, a fairly big following. Um, I mean, I, I like to be humble, but... We're grinding every day, trying our hardest to produce what the people want, and I think so far what we've done is solid. So, do you have any artistic inspirations? Uh, yes, I would totally say I do. I think, number one, um, at least for, for, for as long as I can remember, Chief Sosa, um, a huge inspiration for me as far as the rap game goes. I mean, the guy's a le- legend, living legend, coming from, I mean... In a, right in our own backyard. Yeah, he was in Northfield, right? Exactly, yeah. Homegrown talent. <laughs> any any favorite albums? Well, obviously, if we're talking about Chief Keef, Finally Rich is definitely my favorite Chief Keef album. Debatably one of the best albums of all time. Um, I would say another one of my favorites, um, coming a classic from uh, Future, uh, DS2. Really good one, really good one. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of bangers on there. But right now, I gotta know what Bobby was thinking about that holla. Go ahead, Mitch, take a bite. Bobby, um, first impressions? Yeah, I mean, it's a solid holla. Um, I would say there's nothing that really stands out about it, but it's good nonetheless. So I'm giving a solid four. Not an outstanding holla, not a bad holla. Pretty plain. I don't have strong opinions running this holla. I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. This thing's very fluffy. Whoa. Honestly, it's like a croissant. This is like Whoa. the inside of a croissant. This is a fantastic challah. I'm a fluff guy. Five out of six. I'm going to come out and be completely honest with it. I'm kind of a challah rookie. Um, and I, I just, I mean, from first impressions, I know that the shine factor is big. And this challah certainly has it. I mean, certainly. You look at it and it's like blinding. Um, first bite impressions, um, as Yanni was saying, very, very soft. I mean, I mean, it was like you just bit it right off. It was no effort at all. Um, and again, with the fluff, I agree. Um, I would say overall, though, sort of a weird, I wouldn't say aftertaste, but like right as you're sort of towards the end of chewing, um, I, I kind of got like a, a grainy taste. But overall, I would give it, I'd say a 5.4. Wow. Very yeah. solid score. Very score. solid score. Yeah. Kaufman's Deli. Uh, that's actually the second Kaufman's Hollow we featured on this show. Good work over there, guys. 
So, 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 Mitch, you, you've mentioned you're kind of a little bit of a rapper, a little queenie you go by. Uh, yeah, I'd say I have a small career going. I don't know. Would you be interested in a freestyle rap out right now, right here on the podcast? Oh, my Ooh. God. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I mean you of say course. you're a rapper, so. I, I, hey, yeah. of course. Let's right. go. But yeah, let's, see, just... let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. All right. I'm down. I mean, I just happen to have a beat up on my on my iPad yeah. right now. Jay what, Shaps. What a, what a fantastic coincidence. On the spot. Ooh, hey, hey, ooh, hey, hey, sitting here eating holla. Check my back pocket full of guala. Yeah, green dollars. Yeah, it's greenie. Yeah, it's greenie. When I'm spitting, it feels real meany. When I'm eating dinner, got them green beanies. Hey, hey, I'm looking so cleany. Going against Bobby. It's like a hobby. I'll pull up in the whip with them follies on my wrist. On my wrist. On my wrist, it's looking sick. Yeah. All right, not bad. You got that flow. If you learn anything from being Chiefs fan, you know you don't need a retreat plan. <laughs> Both of you are about to get beat, man. Oh my. You got that curiosity, but you need to relax, though. I'll knock you out. <laughs> like we're playing Smash Bros. <laughs> Warn you're out there, lax hose. Rapping against Bobby's a no-go. Because you're Christmas, and I'm the Grinch. I'm rich, and you're a bitch. Jack, Damn. I rate this Mitch a zero out of six. I'm Jerry, and you're Tom. You shoot spitballs, I drop bombs. Sorry, I gotta go. I just got a text from your mom. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I, I. That was respectable. I was respectable. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I mean, I just got, I kind of got bodied, but like. Maybe you guys should get right. together. Here's the thing. As Here's a rap out, that's six out of six. Here's yeah. the thing. I got those lines. You got that flow, though. That's true. That's true. I mean, yeah. Respect all around. Yeah, I, I think a combo album could be hey, very successful. Hey, honestly, yeah, like, let's collab. Hit me up. All right, so it's no secret you're a big Chiefs fan. And I'd like to know, before we start talking about the Super Bowl, we're in a school filled with Bears fans, Mitch Trubisky apologists. Why are you a Chiefs fan? Um, well, this story begins, um, I would say, about 11 years ago was a very young boy and just starting to watch football and uh I was looking to pick a team and basically my father who uh who grew up in Kansas City and was born there and who actually I had lived there also um prior to moving here um basically just said like you're going to be a Chiefs fan and from there I was and the year that I started when I first started being a fan um was I think that was Jamal Charles's first year in the NFL, and like that was just like kind of ignited it. But like from yeah, from then on, I've basically been a pretty big fan. Yeah. So. So this NFL playoffs has been kind of a crazy ride for the Chiefs. Oh my God. Uh, for those that don't watch the NFL, it's one game elimination. Um, so you guys are down twenty four zero to the Houston Texans at home. You guys lose. You're out. Where's your mind at? What was watching that game like? Uh, Yanni, let me just tell you something. I I don't think I've been in a darker place in my entire life. 
I, I literally was distraught. I was downstairs in my basement, like laying on my couch, curled up in like the fetal position, like literally, like thinking we were gonna lose. It's we we're about to lose in the divisional round, like to Houston. To he- we we're about to get killed. Like yeah, I was freaking out, and then. Three minutes later, we're within like a touchdown. It was cra- It was literally like a roller coaster of emotions. I don't remember what homework assignment I was doing, but I had no business watching the game, and I I was checking the score briefly, and it was twenty four zero. I hate the Houston Texans, so I'm just angry, and I I love watching Mahomes play. And then I got a little more work done, and I walked downstairs, and it's twenty four twenty one. It's like what the hell happened? Um. But I lo- I've been loving watching the Chiefs in the playoffs, and now sure. you guys are going to the Super Bowl. So sure. as a diehard football fan myself, I know how emotional watching those types of games can be. Where, what was it like uh, getting to the Super Bowl for the first time in your lifetime? It's crazy. I mean, especially like being a Chiefs fan, like the meme about us is that we always choke in the playoffs, which – I'm going to be honest, now that we're in the Super Bowl, it's, like, totally true. Like, we had choked so much. Literally last year, we could have been in the Super Bowl if we didn't get a penalty. And it's, like, just stuff like that that I've had to deal with for the longest time. So, like, finally being able to get past that is amazing. So here's a question I have, because you seem like you get very emotionally invested into the football games you watch on TV. Oh, my God, yes. Do you guys get just as or even more so invested in games you watch on TV than, like, lacrosse games that you play yourself? I would say no, but it's it's very close. I would say the differing factor is, like, when you're watching a game, and I would say this is true with, like, most sports. When you're watching the game, you have, like, basically no control on the outcome. So, like, you're basically just waiting for something to happen. But then when you're playing, it's like you can have an outcome or an effect on the outcome. So it's like sort of go a lot harder and it might mean a little more. But your emotions can still be like as crazy. Yeah, well, I know some people, um, even though they don't actually have a real effect on the game, they do some superstitious rituals to make them feel like they do. Oh, Jack, yeah. you do that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, back when the Colts were in the playoffs a lot, my brother and I would, like, test stuff out, and then based on how it would work, we would just start doing <laughs> So we were playing the Patriots, I think, and we were just doing oh, terribly the whole game. My brother goes to the bathroom, and he forgot to come back before the third down, and we finally converted a third down, and I was like, that's it. You got to get in the, it's bathroom, the bathroom every third down. <laughs> and so he, he would, like, sit in the bathroom and just poke his head out the door like, oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, it didn't work, but we also had this one where he'd go and knock on the TV, because, you know, knock on wood. Yeah. We thought, all right, knock on TV. I don't know why. <laughs> so he'd just go That'll up and be work. like, he'd knock on the TV, and he's like, here's a fumble right now. And it was the college football playoffs. We were just testing it out. You know, we'd use this in Colts games. And he, it was fourth down. Jameis Winston had the ball. Uh-huh. He knocked on the TV and said, a fumble right here. And Winston drops back to pass. I'm like, there's no way there's going to be a fumble. And this is, if you've seen it, the air fumble. So he tried no. to throw the ball, and he just dropped it for no reason, and it was a fumble. <laughs> like, the most odd fumble you've ever seen in football. And at that moment, we were convinced he had superpowers. Unfortunately, it did not carry us to the Super Bowl, yeah. but we'll keep trying. What about you? Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. Literally, that's funny, because during that same Houston game, right, because usually I watch the game upstairs in, like, my living room with my family, but then when we were down by 24 points – 
I literally just receded down to my basement and just was watching it there. But literally two minutes after I went down there, we started scoring, and I didn't leave the basement for the rest of the game, and we didn't stop scoring. That's how it works. And the I've Titans, had the, same experience. the Titans, it was the same thing. You just went downstairs. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I might be in the basement at kickoff. I think you got to sit in the basement. I, like, so your basement has effect on I swear to that God, millions like, of people watch. You know, honestly, like Vegas has needs to get in contact with me because, like, <laughs> I can we can see how things go. Here's a question: Do you ever pray? Um, I, no, not with, not with games, sports, like, in the NFL, in my own games, I will. Okay. If I feel the need. Interesting. Yeah. So kind of like the same concept, generally. Yeah, but yeah, like you were saying, when you're playing the game, you can make the play to change the game. When you're watching true. a football game, you're like, something needs to happen. I, I mean, I'm not a religious person at all, and I, I'm like, you know, fundamental atheist, no, there, there, no divine intervention in anything. And then when I'm watching a football game, I'm like, if I don't go upstairs right now, like, <laughs> you don't get in the bathroom, we're gonna lose, and it's your fault. Well, so it's just weird. Um, I have, um, even though I'm not particularly religious, I have started praying. Just like, I hope my teacher doesn't check my homework. Just like greedy shit, totally abusing the system. <laughs> but um, yeah, I f- see correlations, and it's kind of the same thing as superstition of. Are those correlations actually real, yeah. or is my mind just looking for patterns? Yeah. See, Jesse, I know you're a Jets fan, so obviously oh. you need to start picking up some superstitions because you guys are not doing very well. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a, a long, tough road for me sports-wise, and I used to try to find any advantage that I could, and I remember vividly going to the Jets-Bears game in 2008, being the you know only Jets fans in my section, and just everybody just pitying me. After we were getting beaten by thirty, and oh. you know, I used to, I used to wear one sock when I was watching. <laughs> I used to, you know, I I used to just run around the room. I even even got to a point where my brother and I would watch the game. My dad couldn't stand watching the games. Where we would say what we didn't want to happen as if we wanted it to happen. <laughs> that, that's how. That's, that's like the ultimate one. That's you know. That's really. That's how far it went, and. Um, Mark Sanchez is, you know, oh. he's been terrible to my family. Mark. And, um, that, yeah, the yeah. Jets are, the Mark Jets Sanchez. <laughs> what a guy. So, <laughs> Mitch, uh, we got an audience question from okay. Ben Reznikov. He wants to know your honest prediction on what's going to go down in this Super Bowl. Chiefs or 49ers? Okay, this is my honest prediction. Even, like, on, I think the Chiefs are going to win. But, I mean, I think what's going to happen is – because of just how incredible this 49ers defense is, the 49ers offense is going to have to be the one that's going to win the game. Because if their defense is stopping us, it's it's like they can't. Like, we're going to at least score 24, like 27 points. Like, we have to. It, I think their offense is going to be the ones that are going to have to step up. Now, I got good news for you. My grandma has never been wrong about a Super Bowl prediction. We what? always Are you serious? Her, I'm dead serious. She, it's uncomfortable how correct she is. And she'll always watch the games with us and predict stuff. It's like a running joke because she has no idea what she's talking about, but she's always right. And so I asked her yesterday, we were with her, and I said, Nanny, who's going to win, Chiefs or 49ers? And she sits there, and she's like, both of these teams are very good. Okay. 
But the Chiefs, they haven't won in a while. They they want to win really badly. Yeah. I got the Chiefs. Let's that's, go. That's great. And insight. let me tell we you, the more, the more irrational her logic, the more accurate it is. <laughs> oh, my God. So yes. I, think, I think you're in a good spot. I yes. also have the Chiefs winning. I think right. Patrick Mahomes is unstoppable. I, I, think, I think that's the general consent. I'm just talking like general consensus in the sense like Vegas, if you look uh, at the odds. they Minus four, right? I think so, yeah. Minus four, yeah. Minus four or minus two. So we have kind of preliminary mentioned that you're also a lacrosse player. And Jesse, that's why we got you here. So um, I want to hear about your lacrosse career. Uh, before we dive into that and have Jesse ask you some questions, we got an audience question from Aya Bajwa, friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And she wants to know all about your commitment to Wooster. Uh, yeah, first off, what's up, Aya? Um, great question. I... Uh, I mean, I guess the whole process started probably, like, around 8th grade-ish. That's when I really started, like, taking lacrosse seriously, like, playing on club teams and stuff. Um, And I realized that, like, um, I sort of wanted to pursue it in college as well. I thought that that was something that I could do just based on how much I started to really enjoy the sport, one, like, grow a passion for it, and two, like... I started to look at the odds versus the other sport I was playing was football, and it was like the chances of playing in college for football compared to lacrosse are like it's it's so. I decided to go. That was the other reason, but yeah, it started back then, and basically, I has just been. It's been a long process, um, a lot of practices, a lot of stuff. I had to do a lot of, like, college visits and stuff. I mean, it's very similar, I would say, to to what most people do for, like, just school in general. But um, just the fact that you're playing a sport, too, because you have to get the attention of, like, the coach or any coach, really. Yeah, so what I really wanted to talk about is, like, is your origin story with lacrosse. When did you begin, and who are some, like, really impactful figures um, in your lacrosse career early on? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so I started, honestly, I think I started around fifth or sixth grade. Um, one of my f- old friends, um, he, his mom actually emailed my mom and was like, um, Matt is going out to try out for lacrosse this weekend. You should bring Mitch and have him try out too. And I literally like didn't know what lacrosse was. And so I went out and bought a bunch of equipment, went to this um, tryout. And I started there. And I would say along the way, um, a lot of influential um, people would probably be, the first person I would say is Chip Kenyon. Um, For those who play lacrosse in the area, they probably know Chip really well. He's a coach for the Kenilworth youth youth team. I also was coached by uh, two other coaches, Mike Gable and Jake Dean, um, both of them run a club team called True Lacrosse, and they really provided me a lot of opportunities as far as, like, actually getting recruited. And then Andy Kay and Rob Horn, they're my club coaches right now that um, had helped me in this past year. So, yeah. And I, I think um, for many years the expectation now for Nutria, for lacrosse, um, for our team is that we're winning a state championship. And, as a guy who's a senior on the team, obviously a leader, you know, a lot of people would say you're the heartbeat of the team. How do you manage your expectations on the field with what the team and the school 
expect you to be on the field as far as being a leader goes? Yeah, um, that's a great question too. Jeez. Um, I would say that as far as being a senior on the team, number one, in any sport, you're sort of looked up to automatically. Um, So you sort of have to present yourself a certain way and practice definitely and train a certain way so it sort of rubs off on other people. I know this is true for a fact because – um, when I was a freshman and I made it on the team, there were seniors there that um, honestly like scared me <laughs> because of how crazy they would practice and train and stuff like that just sort of rubs off on you and it basically becomes how you start to play. Um, as far as like expectations for the school, um, I think that because of what we've accomplished in the past, that's what sets the standards for the future. So as long as we can uphold that, um, that's the best possible outcome. Now, lacrosse seems like a very vicious sport, at least as an outsider. Do you have any crazy injury stories or, like, any crazy injuries you've seen play out on the field? Uh, Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff happen. Um, Guys, so the thing about lacrosse is that it's not like football in the sense where you're tackling someone. Um you can't necessarily tackle someone, but you can you can have like body checks where you can get like get a shoulder from someone. But the real thing about like lacrosse um, is the fact that you can use your stick technically to check like you can swing your stick at people um, and in, in an effort to go for their stick to try to get the ball out. But a lot of times like you're going to end up hitting part of their body, too. And I've seen guys who have broken bones because they've gotten, like, slashed. There's a penalty for that. It's called slashing. But guys who have gotten literal broken bones from being slashed across the forearm. Um, I've seen guys that have gotten hit in the, like, stomach. Because when you wear um, lacrosse pads, they have shoulder pads, but it's basically like a piece of cardboard, honestly. And it's, like, around your upper shoulders doesn't cover, like, lower body or anything it's kind of like football shoulder pads but um I've seen guys that have gotten literally like hit in the stomach or the ribs with a lacrosse ball from a shot and like it's broken ribs or a broken sternum and it's it's really horrible I also think to to piggyback off that it's like you know if you're hitting somebody or if you're if you're a defenseman on an attackman it's so easy to lose your composure in a sport like lacrosse oh so so how do you handle that and you know, in big games with big crowds and maybe a play doesn't go your way, how do you re- refocus and re-sign yourself in that position? Um, I would say, like you were saying, um, with the attackmen and defensemen, like when most of the time an attackman, for those who don't know, is an offensive player. Um, I play defense, and I'll be guarding an attackman during the game. Um, but when I'm guarding them, um, I... I, I'm able to check them and stuff for most of the game because usually I don't have the ball, they do. Um, but when I finally do get the ball, that's sort of they view it as their chance to let their anger out on me. And so a lot of times they'll come at me and really, like Jesse was saying, go after me. And so uh, to answer your question, like I would say basically you just got to know that it's coming one. Um, and two, just try to fight through it because if you have the ball and – someone slashes you and you freak out like you're gonna lose the ball one and two that's like come on like (laughs) you can't you can't just act like that if you're gonna play this sport because 
if every time you get checked with a stick, you act like that, you're never going to be able to play. Did, did you ever have a hit that, like, they always say when rookies take a big hit in the NFL, this is your welcome to the NFL moment. Do you ever have a welcome to high school lacrosse moment, like where you took that hit and you knew, okay, this is a whole other sport than what I've been playing in eighth grade? Yes, I do. Uh, actually, it was freshman year right after eighth grade. Um, we were practicing, and um, we had just saved the ball, um, and we were going to clear it upfield to the other half. And I, um, I like, broke out for an outlet pass, and my goalie passed it to me. And I caught the ball, but what I didn't know is as I was looking back to catch it, um, our, like, 220-pound, two senior midfielder, Noah Bruno was running directly at me, and I took um, the worst part of that. And it was not pretty, but it was I. It was part of that year. So. <laughs> not a sport I would play, <laughs> but impressive nonetheless. So we were talking before the show. I know you're a pretty big movie guy. I'm also a big movie guy. Oh. I can talk anything about movies, but I know you're a big fan of Quentin Tarantino. Yes. So love to know. Favorite Tarantino movie? <sighs> I knew this one was coming. Yeah. Gosh. Um, okay. It's a hard be, question. This is going to be, yeah, it's very it? hard. Um, I would say my number one is probably going to be Inglorious. Yes. Uh, wow. Yeah, Inglorious. Okay. Yeah, that's, Good answer for this show. That's <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, honestly, that's my favorite. I think... Um, the way it's filmed, and simply, honestly, because of the one bar scene, like when they're all speaking German, yes. and then the German three, and that, that's that's I love that. Movie. Now I got a Quentin Tarantino story for you. I was in L.A. this summer, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was coming out, oh. and so there was a special screening, and it just said there's going to be people who were involved in the production of the movie there, and tickets went up. It was five days before the movie was supposed to come out at this big theater in L.A., and I bought tickets. In four minutes, 800 seats sold out. Oh, my so God. So I get there, and to introduce the movie comes out Quentin Tarantino. Right in front of the movie screen, he's, like, blasted drunk. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for all you fans to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so if you ever get annoyed at people clapping in the movie theater, because who are you clapping for? This was a movie where everyone was clapping because... Tarantino himself. The director was, was literally there. right there. That's so crazy. It, it was an awesome experience. But yeah, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. The Tarantino movie's always going to be a fun ride. Oh, yeah. And totally. he really, he's created his own genre. It's oh, very impressive. Oh, completely. Um, how, I'm just curious, how close were you to him? Like, so I was a little bit more towards the back. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a better seat for the movie. How big was like the auditorium? This was like a 400 seat. Theater, oh, okay. a mass. It's called yeah, the Cinerama yeah. Dome. So I wasn't too up close, but like, just the yeah. fact that he was there is like that's cool. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So I'm gonna go to an audience question. Nate Shinderly asked us <laughs> to explain your hatred of peanut butter. Oh my god, I know Nate already knows this. He definitely does. But um, so for those who don't know, I really don't like peanut butter. And so here's the origin story. Um, basically, when I was younger, like. Um, like, basically all the way up until 8 when I got tested, um, I was allergic to peanut butter. And peanuts, obviously, too. Um, and so eventually there came a point where we thought, well, maybe I'm not allergic because um, I I don't remember what tipped us off, but I think it was something where I was around peanuts for a while. Like, I got 
peanuts and I like didn't break out on hives or whatever. And so I went in to get tested. Um, and on the morning that I got tested, um, I happened to wake up and eat a particularly large breakfast. It was like really big. And so I was super full. Um, and so we go into the doctor's office and I go into the doctor room and I'm thinking that like, oh, it's like an allergy test. I'm going to get like a prick or something. The doctor walks in, I'm not kidding, with a jar of peanut butter and goes, okay, here's the test, and gives me a spoon. And he goes, eat the jar of peanut butter. And I was like, what? You want me to eat <laughs> a whole jar, whole jar so of you peanut went, butter? You went from being like, I have to avoid peanut butter at all costs to a doctor handing you a jar of peanut butter. Yeah, he yeah. was like, well, if you aren't exhibiting any signs, we should know as soon as you take your first bite. And so I like started eating it or whatever, and I was like, all right. This is fine. Like, I'm not breaking out in the hives. And he's like, well, technically, you have to have at least three-fourths of the jar done. <laughs> and I was like, what? I'm, like, already extremely full. Like, I am lit- I can't eat all of this. Like, I'm going to throw up. I don't think anyone can eat three-fourths no, of the I, jar. No, like, li- I know. And um, so I literally just kept eating this peanut butter. And eventually I got sick because I was eating too much peanut butter. <laughs> and my, my the doctor was like, all right, it's fine. Like, you're not allergic. It's okay. We understand. I was like, yeah, I'm not allergic. <laughs> and so now I literally, like, can't stand the smell of peanut butter. I can't. I hate it because of that. that that's reasonable. That's reasonable. I think peanut I want to recommend something to anyone who's listening. <laughs> peanut butter plus frozen bananas equals healthy ice cream. Just really? as good, if not better. I'm telling you. Uh, I I okay. personally can't smell the peanut. This can't stand the smell of peanut butter. Anyways, well, I'm also you, I'm allergic. You to made nuts. you made a documentary like. Oh, uh, you're a peanut butter. You're a peanut butter nuts, hater so. too. Yeah, I'm allergic to not peanuts. Tree nuts. Tree nuts. My sister's just like that. Okay, yeah. it's and like everything. Like anything nut. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, except but, for you know. semen, of course. <laughs> <laughs> And moving on. All right. Uh, <laughs> continuing. We were talking before the podcast, um, and you told me that you have a crazy story about cliff diving. I oh. I would love to hear it. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, this is about a time I almost died. Um, I was in – so my friend, uh, Joe Phillip, he has a house uh, out in Jackson Hole. Um, really great. It's fun. Um, we go out there in the summer sometimes. Um, and one time we went out there, and – he had suggested that we go, like, cliff diving um, into this, like, river. And I was like, all right, that's a great idea. Because um, we had done it before. There's, we, we hiked up to this canyon, and, like, we went off this cliff. It was really fun. So I was totally down to do it. And the place we went to this time, though, was different. Um, it was a um, different cliff, taller cliff. Um, and so we started, um, like, walking up to it. I was with a couple of my friends at the time. Um, we were all out there, and so, per the usual, because of my giant fear of heights, most of my friends jump off with, like, the first five minutes, and I'm still standing up there, like, looking over the edge, not knowing what to do, um, and so I finally, like, work up enough courage to throw myself off, so I, like, back up, and I was like, all right, three, two, one, and I go to run and jump off, and right as I, like, like I'm halfway off I like slow down like tense up because you and were then, having second thoughts yeah I like hesitated like an idiot and literally like I skidded off the edge of the cliff 
luckily enough, I stayed straight, but, like, people were watching, and, like, my friends were watching. As I was going down, like, the cliff was right here, and my head was, like, there. Oh, oh my wow. God. And the water below um, the cliff was, like, 40 to 50 feet deep. So, like, I would have just dropped, like, a stone to the bottom like, if I went unconscious, so. That is... Yeah, it's hard to come in those wow. moments. I remember I got a bloody nose once because I tried to do a flip on a trampoline. I know oh. it's embarrassing. <laughs> but, like, I just I just can't do the full flip. I want to. I do the jump, and I just can't commit, and my knee just hit my nose. But. Oh, God. Probably more prone to – I'm not even going to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid joke. Stupid joke. So you're an assistant green team captain. Yeah. I have no idea what that entails. Like, do you just have an, do you just have an A on your sweatshirt, or like, what else? What else do you have to do? <laughs> um. So yeah, I have the A on my sweatshirt, and it's funny because during the football season and like the fall, I would be having like meetings like every Friday or whatever, um, with Mr. Dahl and. Recently, as of since football ended, I haven't had a single meeting. I mean, we still go to sports games and stuff, um, but it's not like Doll. Doll literally used to like have us like be texting us about all this stuff. And I mean, we had to help with like the handouts and getting sweatshirts to people and checking the names of the sweatshirts. But besides that, I mean, honestly, it doesn't really entail much. So. When Nutrier is down like fifty-two to zero to Loyola, <laughs> what? How do you get people hyped up? That's it's really tough, and the answer there is we probably don't. But <laughs> um, it's I mean when we do like when the game we're winning or the game's close is fun because like it's fun to get people excited and have like the crowd roaring and stuff because when you're like a person playing out there, I know this personally like. When you're playing, it's it's fun to have people like cheering for you and stuff. So, yeah, um, I actually remember one time, I really like the steak sandwiches that Green Team give. Or sorry, that Tri Ship. Yeah. So, my friend Solomon and I, we really wanted one because it's an affordable dinner. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to go out and pay a bunch of money, and we knew it was the opening Nutria game, but we didn't really feel like going, and it was a whiteout. Yeah. So I just threw my white Green Team sweatshirt on. We walk in buy the sandwiches and we're just like rounding our way out of the stadium <laughs> and you're kind of sitting there in the front you're like what's up yanni and i was like hey high-fived you and just walk straight out <laughs> without sitting down and everyone's like what are they doing but yeah uh, shout out to tri-ship sandwiches they're really good they are really oh good. they are the actually um the one fantastic. critique and i'll take this heat from tri-ship because whatever um sometimes they can get a little chewy i'm not gonna lie I, i've had I, some I chewy agree. ones i agree I mean, you can't you can't hate them. You can't get perfect cuts every time, but they're still good overall, totally. Yeah, I think I actually had two that day. I think we rounded back around <laughs> one time. I was like, you know what? I could go for another I need one. another. I could go for another one. The Mitch. Are you interested in all at Life Beyond Our Earth? I'm extremely interested. How did you know that, Bobby? That's crazy. I know, it's did crazy. We, did you guys talk before the show? No, of no, course not. Of wow. course not. No That's preparation crazy. in the show. We're just going cold every time. Yep. So Mitch, tell me, tell me what you know about extracurricular life theories that you subscribe to. Just, just free ball with me. Okay, I'm very interested in this. Topic. Um, number one, I would say that I've always had somewhat of an interest. Um, but I think this year it really got accelerated, thanks to Mr. Worth, um, and astronomy, mm-hmm. Mr. Worth's astronomy class. 
Shout out Mr. Worth. Um, Shout out to Mr. Worth. Yeah, he's really, really the man. Um, but it's really interesting. I would say as far as extraterrestrials um, and my beliefs, I would say I think there is life in our solar system easily. Okay. What I say is there's an intelligent life that's going to be able to like talk to us or be, uh, be a being or something. <laughs> no, I don't think that. So no. Europa, which is a moon of... I forgot. Nep- either Neptune or... One of the gaseous ones, yeah. yeah. But it's like water, but like an icy surface. But yeah, really and there's oceans water. underneath. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, who knows? Of course there could be bacterial yeah. basic life that evolved underneath the water. Yeah. Um, and the question is, how different is it if there is life either in the solar system or beyond? Um, How different is it than life on Earth? Have you seen that video that got released though? The declassified video from the Air Force with the no. UFO. Oh, it's what? it's actually a crazy video. I recommend watching it, and it's it's totally real. Um, it's been all over the internet. It's like this weird ship that just oh, I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, I think the most plausible explanation for a lot of UFOs would be that it's like military testing stuff, mm-hmm. and we're just not allowed to know about the technology. Yeah, honestly, like that's a that's a good hypothesis. Seriously, because. I think, number one, there's definitely things the government does that we have just no idea about. So, like... And we shouldn't know about for sex. Yeah, honestly, like, we shouldn't know everything. Some of it we shouldn't know. A lot we don't know that we should. But, you know, we always say that a UFO, like, we assume it's like an alien inside a little UFO. That's the comment. Yeah. Wouldn't it make more sense for an alien to just fly a drone over here? Like an unmanned vehicle yeah i think i feel like that would be more plausible so why do we expect aliens to be in it i think totally i think that um that's what i think what we would do first of all if we were traveling to an unknown planet we're not going to send a manned mission there as our first option we would send like a a drone to do like a flyby or even orbit or go down into it even but i don't think that they would first visit they would show up like all right, so let's say that to tomorrow we found out that there is other intelligent life outside. What's your first reaction? Does that change your worldview at all? Like, what do you do when you wake up in the morning knowing that aliens are real? I think, well, I have a question. Um, yeah. At, how close are they to us relatively? Like, That's a good question. That I does mean, change <laughs> it. It does change it. Uh, they're not threatening to, like hurt us in any way we okay. just know that they exist okay and they're not visible okay they're real okay um i think number one it would probably it would make me oh god i don't even know really i think i'd be a little bit a little bit excited at the same time kind of curious because if if there's like other intelligent life out there and I guarantee you then it's not just us and them. There's mm-hmm. definitely, like, I think the possibilities are infinite if there is other life, and it doesn't stop there. No so the way. thing is, is there's been life on Earth for billions and billions of years. Yeah. And only until now that we know of, we're the only um, species that was able to create technology to the level we have. So if there were to be life on another planet, I would guess most likely, since we're just a blip in terms of the Earth's existence, yeah. Most likely would not be intelligent. Mm. Yeah. I Almost agree. certainly. All right. So, uh, staying on topic, I know you're a big night league player. Oh, <laughs> tonight, baby. Tonight. Yeah, you got a big game. So, 
uh, my night league experience, I'm sure, has been very different from yours. Uh, we <laughs> lost 103 to eight. <laughs> oh, game. you were across from me. I actually was not at that game. Oh, oh. which is why we lost so badly. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Um, if I was there, it would have been like 103 to six. But <laughs> <laughs> um, night league is like this crazy phenomenon. I feel like people yeah. are so invested. Oh yeah. So tell me about your team. Oh yeah, I'd love to. Um, so this is the team I'm on currently is the Jelly Swervo Decepticons, um, number one ranked. Where Where does that name come from? Um, to be honest with you, uh, it, it is not released to me. Yeah, okay. I literally, I don't even know. Um, the coaches panel decided on it one night and I, th- hopefully it'll be revealed to me soon, but I don't know. So number one ranked team in all of night League, And you know, what's, what's the lineup looking like? Are you a role player? Are you a number one scorer? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Definitely not number one scorer, but, um, the main lineup, I would say I'm probably like a 7-6 man, maybe. I think that in big games, we have a very talented team. So a lot of times when we're playing another team that's like just as talented as we are, um, I'm less of a point producer, and a lot of times we need points. Um, but so, so you're an unselfish player. Yeah, yeah. I would say in, in mostly every game, I get a lot of time, but... When I need to give up the time or when it's a game where I don't have a big role or I don't need to have a big role, like, yeah, totally. I'm out there for the win because I'm going for the shoe, baby. All right, well, best of luck. Uh, My team will not be standing in your way, so (laughs) I wish you good luck. Tough uphill battle, but, uh, you know, you're a champion and a veteran, so I'm I'm sure you'll be able to navigate the playoff road ahead. And uh, I think that's all the time we have today, but... All right. Mitch, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, my gosh. Talk. This has been a blast, an awesome episode. And, Jesse, thanks for coming in to contribute as well. Absolutely. I've had a great time. We will be back on the air very shortly, so stay tuned for all of that. Uh, but, yeah, nothing else I can say. This has been Hala Talk.